Are you with us? I am. Pronounce your last name, please. Cook. Cook? <laughs> I was going to get that right. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to get it wrong. So. <laughs> no, I had the opportunity to, uh, to review. Um, well, thank you for the introduction, too, Donald. Sure. Um, this is uh, David Biles, Dr. Biles. As, as you know, I'm a, a dentist in the local area, and uh, we've had a number of shows over the past few years dealing with health topics and and dentistry as well, and sometimes politics. Today's another day to venture outside of the mouth and, and get another understanding of the body. Uh, I have to say I'm a little bit handicapped here in that I'm in Davis, uh, having attended the dedication ceremony of the new Aggie Stadium, um, and I'm in between that and the football game right now. So I apologize if there's any any sort of off, but coming back to my, my roots here uh, with the uh, PE department, athletic department at UC Davis is part of why I enjoy what I'm doing in, in seeing dentistry in a different perspective. And so I'm really excited to have Liz Cook on today with us because uh, Liz, uh, although she lives locally, I've finally discovered after having known her or being acquainted with her through the um, the, the Way of Life lecture series uh, that uh, Liz, Liz actually just lives in the area, but she's an international workshop leader and author of the SOAS book, Core Awareness, Enhancing Yoga, Pilates, Exercise, and Dance, and Unraveling Scoliosis, a CD. Um, so, Liz, welcome to the show. Thank it's, you. It's, it's good to be able to um, be on the other side as, as your audience. And uh, we, we, the title we, that uh, you presented when we were talking about this was Changing Our Language About Body from Biomechanical to Biointelligent. And we sort of had some of that discussion today, but... Um, let me just lead off with, well, do we need a new language when we're speaking about our body and health? I think we do. I, I think we've reached a point where the biomechanical model is a, a bit too limited. And although it can fit into the bio-intelligent perspective, if you're thinking of yourself as a machine, as mechanical, then it limits your potential. So I'd like to see people start to to reach out to a new language that shifts our awareness and our communication with each other about body as object to body as process. Uh huh. The um. Wow, that's that's a jump there. <laughs> no, it really is. It you is, know, I mean, especially uh-huh. from your PE background, right? <laughs> well, you know, well let let well, let's explain that a little bit more for yeah. the audience. You know, we talk about biomechanical and machines and how science has looked at people. I, I can remember, gosh, going through some books and learning about this, these different methods of looking at, at bodies, you know, and, and it, it had a lot of ramifications. Even today when we're talking about testing, you know, animals, there have been various philosophical foundations. And this biomechanical view, how is that limiting I, I think that the biomechanical view, my, my expertise is the core muscle, the iliopsoas muscle. And I've worked with uh, what we call the core for over 30 years. And I, I watched a dynamic grow out of, um, I mean, people years ago, if I said I did core work, they thought I was talking about apples. You know, I mean, there, mm-hmm. there was no core besides an apple core. Um, and and now, you know, everyone understands that they need core strength and they have all these views, but they're very mechanical views about what the core really is. So one of the ways that I see the language very limited is in my own work because working with the idea that we have to have this tight uh, structure and then move from there is simply a mechanical model, not a biointelligent model. A biointelligent model is looking at the species as part of the biosphere and moving away from us, from the Industrial Revolution, from from Descartes' view of, of science to the present-day science, which is very inclusive and very bioresponsive. And uh, so I think the language needs to start to shape. Like, what does it mean to be strong? This is a good example. Mm-hmm. You know, strength is something that we often think of as something that has to be dense. Because that's the biomechanical. If you're building a building, you want a certain level of density for weight to be able to for it to be able to bear weight. You know, if the metal's not not sturdy enough, things uh, collapse. That's right. But the biointelligent view of strength is one of resiliency. 
one of adaptation, one of fluidity, so that you can constantly morph into a more uh, responsive organism. So then, um, well, what? How else would you describe this biointelligence, and why do you, why do you call this biointelligent? I call it biointelligence because the innate organism knows how to heal itself. And we all know that when we cut ourselves, you know, there's not much we have to do. Sometimes we assist that uh, process knowing that, you know, cleaning the wound or putting a Band-Aid on helps us not to have scar tissue and helps us not to have reaction. But in the long run, a lot of times you wouldn't have to do anything and you heal. You know, and that's, that's... That concept right there, what you've just shared with the audience is really huge, and that's something that's not taught. It's not taught, I'll tell you, in dental school, and I can't speak for medical school, but I've had enough science to to tell you that this whole idea and notion of the body heals itself is something that you really come across in the, quote, alternative healing circles. But not really, because Hippocrates, the father of medicine, said the same thing. So we've I, I, lost track somewhere along the line. Well, there About you go. 17th century is where we lost track. <laughs> You're probably right historically. I, I didn't take enough history. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the whole point of that is that, um, gosh, it just really is limiting. The body is so much more more complex. And I'll tell you how, how I've discovered and how this ties in with my dentistry is that um, because of the way I have learned to practice dentistry where I can really do complex cases, which are really hard to manage. I mean, that's one of the problems with dentistry, too, both even from the dental standpoint, is that dentists have been taught this very mechanical model, and it doesn't allow for so much the complexity of the system. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that, I mean, there are times when I'm adjusting crowns truly to the micron level, and I, I got into a little... Um, discussion with a physicist in my practice one day when I said this, uh, and and he he said automatically said no that's not possible and I said it is and here's why, and he broke it down and he says you're right, the 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 adjustment on a crown on a on an appliance is down to the micron level. That's how sensitive it is, and that's how sensitive your system can be um, thrown off course or also be put back to heal itself. Well, yeah, and, and, and when we think about the core, this is an example of where our, our biomechanical view is so limited. Most people think of the core as being the abdominal muscles. Yeah. That, that is. So you get those as tight as you can. You have the shield and, and you're protected. Um, but, but the reality is the organism is extremely vulnerable and what really allows it to be strong or, or uh, capable for handling all different experiences is its ability to adapt and be resilient. So one of the areas that, that the core really, like if you want to go into complexity, I mean, my, yeah. my area is the psoas, but, but then there's the whole, what we call the enteric brain. And the enteric brain begins in the mouth and ends in the anus and, and is, is kind of a primitive tube. And, yes. and, and so when you're in the mouth, although you're, you know, you're taught and we think of dentists as being just working on our teeth, you're, you're literally working with the core. You're working with one beginning part, and all the O-ring muscles, the lips, the eyes, the esophagus, the diaphragm, the sphincter muscles, those are all related, and they all correspond to each other. So when you affect one, you affect them all. So in my work, a lot of dentistry affects the pelvis and causes problems in, in, you know, in imbalances between head and and pelvis. How how can... How can you help? Do you help people with that? Well, my my focus is education. I feel like when we're educated, then we make better choices. Mm-hmm. And so I look to change people's um, understanding of what the core is and how deep and profound. And uh, the the older traditions, like uh, Buddhist traditions and and Japanese, the Hara. I mean, talked about this energetic core. And so when we're when we're focused on the energetic core, um, the complexity of it is become self-evident. So I teach people really simple things to do to get in touch with this core. What, what does it really mean to be in your core? How does it feel? So I'm a very um, hands-on, experiential 
teacher. Mm-hmm. I want people to, to experience the pro- profound effects. And so over the 30 years, I've, I've, I've learned a lot that helps us get in touch. Like the psoas, for example, is part of our primal reflexes that we call survival responses. And so there's some very basic responses. And when you override those or ignore those or try to, to not you just aren't aware of them, mm-hmm. then you get all these reactions. And, and, and so a lot of what we would call problems are really um, overriding a system that's trying to regulate itself. You know, um, that brings up so many questions and thoughts, you know. I mean, your body is really your best doctor. It, it is, You know, yeah. and if, if you're tuned into it. So <clears throat> if I'm hearing you correctly... You're saying, I mean, this this core this, and this concept of the core is it's a very complex. I'm going to call it a system, for lack of a better word. Okay, because mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand this myself, and in its complexity, it is very complex, and there must be this mind body connection. Well, and, mind body is part of the biomechanic. We can, in the bi- that's a good example of where the language needs to change. Okay. Okay. The biomechanic overview was that you had different compartmentalization. There's feelings. There's thoughts. There's sensations. Um, and and then people who are trying to reestablish a holistic perspective came in and used we now use language like body mind. So they're trying to combine a biomechanical view to denote the, the biointelligence of the organism. Well, and so in some ways, there is no such thing as body-mind. The, the tissue of your brain is the same tissue. So I don't know what we're talking about when we talk about body anymore because body is a process. We are a process just like the environment isn't outside of us. We are the environment. This is it. This is it. This is this is the you know your ecosystem is the same ecosystem. I mean, it's, there is no separation, but we've created a separation that's literally a mental, you know, distinguishing. Well, it's a it's a construct to understand things, though. It is. It, it, it is. serves a purpose in that. Yes, it gets me around the the world. I get on airplanes and I fly. I mean, you know, the, I mean, it, the industrial perspective was very useful for building a certain complexity and, and organization of the world. It helped us organize a certain way. But what I see scientists are doing now is they're returning through their science back to very ancient, I don't know if you want to call them spiritual or, or uh, profound realizations about the, the whole of, of the situation. And so they're actually some of our greatest spiritual teachers, is the, is the scientists. Well, yeah. Because they're there. We're not. We're still in the old language, but they're there. They're, well, they are moving forward. I mean, we were talking earlier today about Bruce Lipton's book. Yes. You know, um, and, and he breaks down, you know, there's just so many levels of organization still. I mean, there's still. In the cell. In yes, the cell. In the cell. And then, you know, taking that to those society and what have you. Well, when we're, when you're leading the a biology workshop. Biology of Belief is the name of his book. Yes. Yeah, in fact, we're going to have Dr. Lipton on sometime in the future. I don't know the exact date. Right. Um, when, you're, when you're leading a workshop, how, how do you introduce this concept to your students? Um, well, I'm actually going to be teaching a workshop in SoCal um, November 10th and 11th, so people can come and experience it if they want. But well, you know I, what? Wait, let's let's go back to that because I was going to ask, do you ever teach locally here? Cause yeah, I do. Anything. Once a year, I always have a workshop in um, Santa Cruz area, and I teach in SoCal, and this year it will be November 10th and 11th. Where? <clears throat> and Well, you'll register online through my website, which is coreawareness.com. Okay, we always want that information, too, so that people can get in contact with our guest. Yeah, so, so that's, I'm going to cough, so hold on. Okay, so then, um, so then Liz Cook will be giving a, a workshop November 10th and 11th in SoCal, and you can register that through her website, which is uh, coreawareness.com, all one word. Yeah. Um, so, um, so what do I do? I help people begin to understand the psoas. And I do have a book called The Psoas. 
So that helps lay down the foundation. And people, when they read it, find out, wow, um, I didn't realize it was so complex. And, and, and yet the book is written very simply. But all of a sudden, the way we're thinking uh, starts to shift. And I think the paradigm is an important shift. The moment you start to see yourself as a process rather than an object, you open up possibilities. An example is a lot of people think that once they have an injury, that's a done deal. And and they have scar tissue or they have whatever, and they have to learn to live with it or adapt to it. But if you think of, like, Lipton's work with cells, that cells are constantly dying and recreating, then the matrix of your body is a, is a, is a living process, which means it's constantly changing, which means that healing is always um, evident and possible. So the tissue isn't the same. So it really brings up to me questions like, you know, what is disease? Uh, well, it, it really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, um, with disease and healing and things like that, I've experienced that myself with my own shoulder, working with a chiropractor and lasers. Um, you just The tissue does change. It's constantly morphing. It's constantly changing. So one of the things that, that actually interferes or slows the process way down is the idea that we need to be dense, that the tighter our core is, the better we'll be, the healthier we'll be. And, you know, this really came up in the United States. I travel all over the world and teach, and so I get to see a, a little wider uh, mm-hmm. view of, of what's going on in the, in the body massage fitness world. But when, um, when we had 9-11 um, occurred, right after that, every magazine has how to build core strength, and there's I mean, it hasn't stopped. If you go to any store and you look at a rack of magazines, you're going to see a whole bunch about abdominal strength. And it occurred to me, isn't that interesting? Because the psoas is about your fear reflex. And we were all afraid. We were attacked. We felt really vulnerable. And all of a sudden, everybody's building their core strength. But density, which is what muscle tissue does when you do repetitive movement, gets um, locked down, and so nutrients can't come in, toxins can't go out, and so, in fact, you're, you're very vulnerable to having tears, to being injured. You're actually more vulnerable. That makes a lot of sense when you think about the lymphatics and everything, too. That's right. So the fluid system is, is a really interesting system that I work with to hydrate, for instance, the psoas muscle, and we do that through movement, through sound, we explore uh, tissue in a in a vibrant, alive, dynamic way. Well, if people come to your your course, um, is there is there an age limit? Can you be too old to learn this concept? Can you or apply it? Absolutely not. I, I've had people, and one of my my co workers that I love to work with is Emily Conrad, and. She's 73, and she has one of the most fluid bodies. I, I wish I had her fluid body in terms of, you know, and I, and I learned from her. So it doesn't matter what age you are. It really matters um, that you have a, an interest in exploring yourself in a new and dynamic way. Um, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to imagine how the class will be. I don't, haven't checked my, my schedule, Liz, but... Uh, Maybe I'm available. There, huh? <laughs> I will buy. No, seriously. Well, I um, like to learn. I like to teach people a, a concept and then make it very practical. And mm-hmm. and so some practical things, for example, is um, the psoas, the core muscle of the body, which is behind all your abdominal organs uh, and deep in the body, starts from solar plexus to leg, and it's the filet mignon. It's the tenderloin in any other animal, <clears throat> which means that it's the most supple, juicy part of your being. And most people think they have to do something that makes their core very hard. And yet, mm-hmm. so here's a biomechanical. Instead of that hard, linear body, the organism as a live process could be imagined more like an octopus. Uh, that all movement starts from the center out to the to the arms and legs and returns and there's a communication going back and forth through the environment and if you think of a 
an octopus, they have incredibly fluid bodies, and they change and they shape-shift and they respond to their environment, and yet they're powerful enough, strong enough that they could strangle a shark much larger than themselves. So that's an image of a bio-intelligent being that has strength and power that's very different than the biomechanical view of density and rigidity. What are some of the benefits people notice from developing this awareness? And I, I would imagine some sort of, is there any sort of exercise routine associated or, or lifestyle? What, what lifestyle changes come with this? Well, what I find uh, with the feedback I get over the years is that it really actually changes people's lives in many ways. Um, because the psoas is part of the fear response, for many people their adrenals are exhausted, um, there may be a lot of trauma in the system. And so working in ways that help to resolve and and find resolution, which is very different than release, um, brings about a peacefulness, um, an ease of movement. Uh, usually people come because they're in pain or they're having psoas problems, so it often resolves or they know the things that are either aggravating that they're doing, the shoes, the chairs they sit in, things that may really ignite an issue. Um, they learn to stay in their core and move from it rather than disperse and, and be all over the place. So it, it creates boundaries in a, a fluid way that allows you to be more coherent as a organism, which, of course, changes and opens your thoughts and changes the way you feel and changes your life. Changes your life, yes. Um, has, has your work been accepted more readily in, in some countries rather than others? Yes, Europe is really open. In fact, I'm good, I've been invited to be a keynote speaker at several international conferences, and, and so I do find that um, the European community is... Um, investigating movement in really interesting ways. They've, they've really broken out of a lot of the stagnation that we as a country, because of our fear, are still holding on to desperately <laughs> to try to maintain some kind of power and strength. So you see people in the fitness field there doing uh, a lot more experimental movement, a lot more willingness to try something new. So I, I do see some changes um, in Europe that encourage me um, probably more, not in California so much, but throughout the United States. There's a, for, for a lot of people, this is really hearing something really new. Um, yes. Well, could you, could you see this as part of some sort of school curriculum? No, because I think school is a is a is a biomechanical model. People are always learning; they're always responsive, and um, um, the belief system that we have to be schooled is actually part of that breakdown of parts into smaller parts, into smaller parts, into smaller parts. But we know that when we do that, we don't get an understanding of the whole. That that an understanding of of the fullness and wholeness of being alive on the earth is not about the breakdown of parts. That can be a smaller lens, but if we open to a larger lens, there's something else going on. And as humans, we're, we're at a turning point of either opening to what is going on or probably, you know, leaving in some way, one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, Donald, I'm going to... Give, let's let's go to a station break. Oh sure, and uh, announce numbers too because I think it, that uh, Liz has brought up some really interesting points. And I would like to give the audience an opportunity to ask her some questions as well. Okay, and for people that would like to take a look at her website, it's uh, coreawareness.com. That's coreawareness.com. And I also want to remind everyone, you're listening to KSCO 1080 on your AM dial. If you have friends or relatives living outside the listening area, tell them they can listen to us on the Internet. or streaming live at KSCO.com. That's KSCO.com. Um, there's a couple of uh, events coming up. 
the annual Radio Liberty Seminar is on Sunday, October 28th, so you might want to put that on your calendar. That's uh, Sunday, October 28th at the Aptos Seascape Golf Course um, off of Clubhouse Drive in Aptos. The cost is uh, $49 per person. That includes lunch. Uh, reservations are required, and um, you can call um, 800-544-8927. That's 800-544-8927. It is an all-day event. starts at 8 a.m. in the morning, goes till 5 p.m. in the afternoon, and there's a number of uh, great guest speakers that will be there. Remember, reservations are required, and you want to get your reservation in before October 22nd. Um, the other uh, event that's coming up here is on November 17th uh, at the Rio Theater, 7 p.m. in the evening. That's November 17th. The uh, movie uh, Freedom to Fasc- America, Freedom to Fascism, that's the Aaron Russo movie, America, Freedom to Fascism, is going to be shown at the Rio. That's a one-time showing on November 17th. And um, if you'd like to take a look at the website to get an idea what the movie's all about, um, that's uh, freedomtofascism.com, just the words freedomtofascism.com. And uh, it's, a, it's a great movie to see. It's a great to see all the people that show up. They uh, had a great turnout in spring. I think we had over 450 people that showed up. And there's uh, the, the price of admission is worth it uh, just for the uh, literature and, and videos and whatnot that you can pick up in the lobby after the uh, movie's over. Um, I'll be announcing uh, when tickets will be available, which will be coming up here pretty soon. The fellows will be letting me know. And uh, Perspectives is a, um, a great supporter of Ron Paul. And uh, if you'd, uh, he has uh, meetup groups all over the United States now. If you'd like to find out uh, about the meetup groups uh, here, right here in Santa Cruz, you can just go to www.meetup.com. That's the word, meetup.com. And uh, the window will come up. Just type in Ron Paul Meetup Groups, and uh, another window will pop up asking you for your zip code. Obviously, you want to put in our local zip code, and it'll take you straight to that. Um, I do want uh, everyone to uh, think about something here, and I don't know uh, how many people were here in the early 80s in Santa Cruz or anywhere in California for that matter, but uh, we had the uh, great medfly spraying that went all over the state of California, if you remember the medfly. And uh, so if you're ready for the chemical spraying of the apple moth, um, uh, aren't you concerned about the effect on uh, elderly people or children? If uh, if it's so safe, why not spray during the daytime? Wouldn't it be safer for the pilots and even easier for them to follow their landmarks for uh, the areas they're going to be spraying? I bet if a study was done that less than 5% of the area to be blanket sprayed has the uh, infestation. So uh, why couldn't the spraying be done from the, the ground in isolated areas where the moths are uh, concentrated? Is anyone questioning the effects of the spraying on other insects, such as uh, the monarch butterfly and the delicate balance of our ecosystem? Have you ever heard of the chemtrails that some people believe occur? Okay, so maybe you think that's crazy. So uh, you think it's all fine to spray for the apple moth? Then I guess you'll be standing outside on these nights with your telescope looking up at the stars. I don't think so. So if you decide you want to speak out about this, you might decide to uh, voice your opposition by calling uh, Sam Farr's office at area code 831-424-2229. That's 424-2229. And uh, other local and regional political representatives can be found in your phone book, uh, their addresses, their emails, and phone numbers. I also want to remind everyone today that um, the uh, show is being sponsored by Dr. David Biles. And uh, Dr. Biles' uh, website is uh, www.drbiles.com. He's a graduate from UCLA School of Dentistry in 1982. And Dr. Biles is a holistic and cosmetic restorative dentist who has practiced dentistry for over 24 years. Dr. Biles received his master's degree in exercise physiology after he completed his thesis during his senior year in dental school. This gave Dr. Biles a rare insight into medicine that few dentists or physicians have experienced. This background enables him to see the dental profession from many unique vantage points. And his website, again, is www.drbiles.com that's B-I-L-E-S dot com. If you have just joined us, we are here today with Liz, pronounce your last name? Cook. Cook. Thank you K-O-C-H, very much. K-O-C-H, but pronounce Cook. Yes, I thought it might have been Koch. 
it, sometimes people pronounce it that way. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way I saw it spelt. <laughs> so, um, in any case, uh, thanks for holding on for us, Liz. Uh, we always need to do a station ID and thank Dr. Biles for doing the show. And then um, those phone phone numbers again. Oh, uh, the phone number. If you have a question or comment uh, for our guest is four seven nine ten eighty. That's four seven nine ten eighty. And don't forget that's in the eight three one area code. Okay, so we've been discussing the the core concept, and um, my back to my earlier uh, question about uh, where is this better received. And you mentioned you're going to be speaking at a couple of conferences. Um, what what types of organizations or, or professional groups are interested in, in what you're sharing here, Liz? Um, I'm considered uh, uh, kind of uh, the expert on the iliopsoa, so I'm invited and I work with professionals all over the world. Um, I would say my, my clientele includes massage practitioners and body work therapists, um, yoga teachers, Pilates instructors, and um, and and lay people, fitness, mm-hmm. martial arts, psychologists, chiropractors, um, so osteopaths. There's a lot, a, a wide range of people because no one was really trained to focus on this muscle. And and uh, Ida Roth was one of the first people to bring this to even anyone's awareness. And um, there's only one medical book by a man named Dr. Um, Michelle, who wrote on the psoas. So it's not a well understood or, or known muscle. And so people like to continue their education. The other way people discover the psoas is they find that they're having problems and someone may tell them about it and they start reading about it and they go, oh yeah, that's, that's where I'm experiencing this discomfort or, or yes, I think this is associated with what's going on for me. And so they learn about my work uh, via their own experience. So um, I'm, I, I travel and teach. People invite me to uh, schools and conferences and, and various places where I get to educate people about the psoas muscle and, and help them begin to look at their particular focus uh, through the lens of this broader biointelligent perspective. Uh-huh. Well, then, and I, you've probably covered this, but I like repetition works well for me. Why is it that this one particular muscle has such an influence on us? Well, it is the core muscle. It literally, it grows this, out of the just spine. That's just huh? Yeah, well, it grows out of the spine, and it's part of the, you could say it's, I think of it as the messenger of the central nervous system. So it uh, speaks loud and clear when things are compromised or being compromised in the central nervous system. And it is part of the uh, fear response, and so it is associated with rolling the body up in when you're falling, and uh, startle reflex, and uh, fight, flight, fear, um, freeze type of responses. And so it's part of what's been known as the sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. And I think one of the reasons why I'm particularly interested in in kind of going nationally with some of this information is that as a culture, and maybe partly in the world, there's a tremendous fear and tremendous uh, what we would call reptilian behavior, which is a result of trauma in the central nervous system. So you could look at what is going on in the world as actually a species that is uh, traumatized and is in a process of reenactment. I mean, you could mm-hmm. think of history as a reenactment of a species in trauma. And, uh, and so it, it's of great concern to me that people are unaware of their own uh, expression of trauma and, mm-hmm. and that there are ways to resolve that trauma. So... That's an interesting focus to to see the broad generalization of that. But I, it, it's that's how it works. Well, it is. You know? It's 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 you know you can you can look at it in simple movement patterns, but you can also look at it is in in, in a very large broad species um, uh, dynamic. So uh-huh. you know, I mean, if you think about it, we as human beings, we all are the same species, and. Um, and we all track back through through time to the same place, and yet 
uh, we don't recognize each other as the same no. species. Well, let's let me run this discussion by you because it's it's an observation I've made, and I haven't I haven't discussed this for cer- certainly not on the radio, <clears throat> but I think you might be the the appropriate person for this. Um, I've come to conceptualize what's going on in the mouth and its effect on the body as being oh somewhat akin to a disturbance to the whole regulatory system up there the neuroendocrine system yes you know we've got all these physical forces that are being exerted at the you know the atomic and the subatomic level the microbiological level and that's disrupting this what what should be, I think, you know, a, a very regular, well, we know, a regular flow of energy and information. And what what is apparent to me is that patients that are making major changes in, in a, a constructive way, a, a, lot of, a lot of processes are healing because of just better flow of information. Mm-hmm. Is that consistent with how you see this whole system? I do. That's why I call the psoas the messenger of the central nervous system. And I would think the mouth is the, you know, messenger of, of both the central nervous system and, as you said, the endocrine system or the enteric brain, which is the gut. Uh-huh. And so what is being expressed in the gut or not uh, travels up through, you know, the, the mouth as literal expression or as uh, imbalances. And, you know, this this connects to even the apple moth issue. I mean, there is um, research that shows that that insecticides uh, deeply affect the endocrine system. Mm-hmm. So it's not only our own uh, ecosystem internally, but the ecosystem that we're we're growing and swimming in, um, which is our air and water and. Well, you know, it, it's an interesting. I mean, we we really are all one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is. There's such a continuity um, when I think of it in those terms. I mean, it, it it really is, you know, basically what we're doing in our approach to health and in daily general living is we're taking care of the terrain. That's right. You know, the body. Um, and there are lots of ways to deal with that. And, and you take care of the terrain and it responds in predictable ways. It is. It's a very intelligent, and that's why I call it a bio-intelligent system. It's it doesn't need to learn something. It actually, uh, the way I work a lot with problems is not to learn, teach someone the right way to do it, but to recognize what people are doing that's interfering mm-hmm. with that process from being able to function. What's holding it back? What's what's overriding it? What's... Now, uh, we do have some uh, open phone lines still uh, before we go to our first caller, if you'd like to, Dr. Biles and Liz. Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, the, the number is 479-1080. That's 479-1080. And, uh, of course, you're listening to 1080 KSCO. Um, let's see here. We'll go to Alan in Aptos. Alan, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, doctor, uh, this is very interesting. Can you can you use the metaphor of the kundalini or or uh, we're talking about electromagnetism here? Uh, how is this... Uh, Related in, in teaching when you teach yoga practitioners, we're deferring that to you right now, Liz. Uh, I'm sorry, but I, I, you're going to have to repeat it. I couldn't okay. hear the speaker in the, in the metaphor it, book. Uh, I don't. I'm not getting the call through on my line. Okay, I'll repeat it for you. Okay. okay. Uh, he's he's asking in the metaphor of the kundalini. How do you explain? In fact, you know, you have to repeat it again for me, sir. In using that metaphor or electromagnetism of the of the of the serpent brain, uh, can you relate it to the uh, centers of the kundalini, the mudhara, you know, or the uh, or the solar solar plexus? Okay, he, the gentleman's asking if, in the the metaphor of the kundalini, if if you can explain. Um, the way the the, the lower enteric, centers, this enteric brain works, and how this is connected with with energy the flows, flows the, how the energy yeah. flows. Um, well, the enteric brain is another word for Hara or Tandian or Buddha belly, um, and and it encompasses a couple layers. We know that we know that that 
gravity moves through our organism uh, through and 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 emerges through an invisible force. Um, all the lines of gravity approximately in the belly core. So so that's where weight transfers. And you could say the sacrum, which is the bottom of the central nervous system and part of the pelvis, is the um, core. It is part of this expression of uh, hara in in the sense that weight transfers but but doesn't bear weight in. so the the sacred sacrum is is kind of your pelvic girdle is made up of three bones and that center bone transfers information but doesn't bear it and it's the beginning of what kundalini would be called waking up the central nervous system and so the psoas um is you could say the guardians of the hara. Uh, they're on each side oh. of it. They're, um, they emerge out of the spine. And when there's, the sacrum is actually the beginning of what we would call waking up uh, kundalini, which happens in the tailbone, um, in the sacrum. When it's not able to simply float and be free to receive energy from heaven to earth or or moving through gravitational forces, then the psoas, for example, ends up supporting the person. And many levels, support is an interesting word because we're talking about not only emotional support, being able to stand on your own two feet, but energetic, being able to receive the information that the the being um, has privy to by being in gravity. I mean, we moved up into gravity and we received certain information through that and so in that system, we're looking at a crown chakra that receives information that goes all the way through the root chakra down into the earth, but it also rebounds from the earth back up through the system. And so I see the psoas as um, as guardians, so to speak, and you can't fake it. You're either there or you're not there. You know, you're either in your core or you're not in your core. And so solar plexus is one of the places where people get very disrupted um, in our particular cultural uh, perspective, and and many of the traditions that are supposed to wake wake us up is actually holding us back because of the way our our American our American um, kind of go really fast and do as much as we can attitude pushes people, so it, it can it can disrupt uh, what we were calling the enteric brain or this sensory aware that information that is not only within us but without us yeah. and that concept so above so below it's yeah. uh, so within so without that's that holistic perspective yeah alan uh i want to thank you for your call um, yeah, and uh, thanks for listening in. If you didn't catch uh, Liz's um, uh, website, it's coreawareness.com. That's coreawareness.com. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Liz, uh, you, uh, Alan has brought up uh, a subject that's taken you into Eastern philosophy and spiritualism. He's, yeah, he's looking to bridge that, that holistic concept of how, to, how does this relate to the practical, if I'm, I didn't get to hear the question, so. Right. But yes, that, those ideas, um, what the words like Hara and, and, uh, Tandien and, and, and Buddha Belly are, are very, uh, Eastern in their origin. Eastern philosophy and the, and the chakras. Yeah, and the chakras. Chakras, and, yeah. And, Kundalini, yeah. which is Indian. Right. Okay. Uh, let's see. We'll go on to uh, Theodora in uh, Santa Cruz. Theodora, you're on the air. Hi. Thank you. And I, I'm actually calling at Dr. Biles' request um, a, a quick follow-up to the comments on the moth spraying because um, there's a public hearing at the supervisor's chambers on Tuesday night, this Tuesday night at 7 p.m., and, um, you know, the moth sprayers will be there as well as hopefully lots of people from the public. And the opportunity, um, I'm hoping the opportunity will be there to do what we did at the city council meeting last Tuesday, which is to get the supervisors to come on board and fight the spraying. And so I want to encourage everybody out there that does not want to be sprayed with an untested product, untested on humans and children, um, and does not think the government has the right to arbitrarily do this, please show up 7 o'clock Tuesday night, Board of Supervisors, 5th floor of the county building at Water and Ocean. And thank you, Liz, for your work. I go to your 
um, the lecture series you arrange with the way of life and and, great. and you you do a lot to bring good health information to the the community. All right. All right. Yes, she does. Thank you yeah. for your call, in Theodore. And thank you, Doctor Biles. This is an important meeting for people to show up to. Um, sure. Do you have other callers? Yeah, or? we have Craig uh, in San Jose has been holding. Craig, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, hi out there. Uh, Mary Zoe and happy Kundalini. <laughs> Can you hear that, Liz? I couldn't. What was it? I said uh, Mary Zoe and happy Kundalini. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Santa Cruz. You know, it ain't gonna. It ain't no Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping I'd get a laugh. You know, kind of <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I was looking at the, the muscle over the Internet, and, and so I'd never heard of that name before. I thought I had heard it all, but not that. Uh, for such an important, it touches the, uh, you know, right in the middle of the body. It touches the lower, lower, lower legs body to the upper body. So, I mean, it's real important. I'm thinking, you know, I have a mini trampoline. I know probably yoga poses do good benefit for that muscle. and But the mini trampoline, if you kind of, you know, the way I do it, I get up there and I, I run on it. I kick my knees up high and stuff. I imagine that's probably good for that, the core region, right? Well, um, I tell you, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So, um, and, and I think you bring up a really good point with, with mentioning that um, very few people know about the SOAS. And um, I, I went to a national conference in New York last year and, and got to meet um, people from the national um, uh, community, uh, such as, you know, radio and television producers and, and all kinds of magazine producers. And I was pitching my work to them and learning how to do that. And they were helping teach me how to, how to do that. And, you know, I'd come up and I'd talk about the SOAS and they'd look at me like I was from another planet because it was kind of like, why haven't we heard about this if this is so important? That was really the question. It's like, why don't, why doesn't everybody know that they have a SOAS muscle? And, um, it's really true. It's, it's very quiet. In some ways it's, that's good from the perspective that people aren't doing harm to their psoas by having somebody try to fix it. And so I do want to say while I'm on the air that if you have a psoas problem, I really urge you not to have somebody palpate directly, manipulate the psoas, because it actually can cause harm. Um, it's so deep in the body that um, it's and so part of the central nervous system that I, I consider it very traumatizing and, and really not conducive to, to healing. Resolution happens uh, through subtler ways, and um, I do talk about that a lot. There's some free articles on the website people can read, but um, there's another, uh, traumaprevention.com uh, is a great website uh, but to start to educate yourself before you run off and have somebody say, hey, I could fix your psoas, um, because it's not what you do, it's how you do it that that really allows the psoas to be expressive or not. The, there is no such thing as a weak psoas muscle. There is exhausted psoas mm. muscles. And they're exhausted because we're overwhelmed Can you pull that neurologically muscle? and hormonally and a lot of other ways. Can you pull that muscle? Can she hear me? Can you pull that muscle, Liz? Yes, people do pull it. Uh, uh, people tear it. Um, you know, athletes are particularly prone um, to injuring their psoas muscle. And um, there is a position um, online that's called constructive rest. And I really recommend that for anyone uh, who does have a psoas injury. It seems like a very passive, not very active it's not at all it's really a being position it's simply resting on your back knees up feet on the floor and in that position gravity does the work of releasing tension in the psoas and um and that can take a lot of tension out of the core and relax the digestive system which of course then improves the whole bacterial level of your mouth so just think you can improve your dentistry by being in constructive rest um and uh so I was going to give you another try. 
Yeah, uh, Craig, yeah. Uh, if that's it, thanks for your call. Yeah, thanks. And uh, I, I would ask, Liz, uh, the, the position you just described, do you flatten the lumbar or lower back? On Great the- question. No, you do not. Okay. So when you roll into constructive rest, and, you know, constructive rest has a name, but really it's an intuitive position. Anybody who ever, has ever had low back pain knows constructive rest. They, they found it. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You find it. Yeah. And, and it's a great position, but a lot of people do. They try to, try to straighten things out. And that's the biointelligent perspective. You want to allow those curves because gravity, as it releases tension, will bring your back into neutrality. But if you push and try to, uh, do something manually to straighten your back, then you actually end up doing more harm than than good. So yes, the spine is what we call neutral, which means if you roll in and you have, you can put your hands in your low back, yes. don't worry about it. As you rest there though, you'll notice you won't be able to. All of a sudden, as the psoas releases, that's actually a sign of psoas tension, the what's called lordosis, the curve in the low back, will find a resting place. You yeah. want those curves in the back, so you don't want to lose those. Right. You just don't want them over-accentuated, and you can't push your way out of the accentuation. Yeah. I, I, I know for a fact that if I was to lay on the floor right now in the position you described, I, I would have that curve by nature. It would just be there. Right, I, and it's the position that actually starts to change that relationship between pelvis and spine, and that's your psoas, the expression of the psoas. So that's one of the ways to change that dynamic and bring more harmony to the spinal-pelvic relationship. Sure. Okay, uh, Dr. Biles and Liz, we have about three and a half minutes left. Okay. So well, if you... I would like to remind everybody that... Uh, Liz Cook is going to be having a workshop in Soquel, November 10th and 11th. What times are those going to be, Liz? Uh, it's a two-day workshop, and it begins Saturday at 9 and ends at 5 on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it's 12 to 5. And you and, can find all the information about the workshop on my website at Core Awareness, and that's coreawareness.com. Okay, great. great. Thank that, you so much. That only well, used 30 seconds. <laughs> Well, you know, one other thing, I thought it was interesting, the comment about the bacteria in the gut and the mouth. Uh, One of my patients, I'm always looking for stuff, whether it's coincidental or not, but I'm finding patients that, or at least a number of cases, root canals are are leading to digestive issues for people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, again, it's my thoughts have been it's a release of more bacteria from the terrain, Mm -hmm. and it's just traveling. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's all consistent. We're not dealing with an isolated part of the body. We're all connected. I agree with you there. Yeah. So um, I, I really want to thank you for coming on again today.